All right. That was a good video, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, stop it. All right. I'm not that good of a father. Come on. All right. All right. I still have to preach, okay? You're causing me to get all teary already. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, praise God. God is good, isn't he? Yeah. I'm going to need your help today, okay? Uh, so um, I'd love to, to hear from you as much as, as possible. If it's inappropriate, I'll let you know, okay? All right, but I'm going I'm to need you. Um, this passage, Matthew 14, has been a very important one for our family as we've traveled through the season, so I thought it would be a great one for me to conclude on. And I wanted to just share just some kind of final words with you. Um, now listen, I'm hoping to get an invitation back. I've been saying that everywhere, okay? But uh, I wanted to share some final words with you as, as a lead pastor in this moment. And I wanted to start by just sharing, you know, this church is an amazing church. I meet so many people who have um, negative church experience, and I just don't have it. And I'm so thankful because I grew up in this church. And this church, listen, we're not perfect. If you want to find it, <laughs> you'll find the ugly spot somewhere. But this is a a church that the Lord's favor has been on. And this has been an amazingly healthy church with great leaders and um, people who have always stepped on the limb for Jesus. And uh, I'm so thankful for that. Uh, this is a church, when we talk about Peter stepping out of the boat, that you've stepped out of the boat many, many times. But I just wanted to share a couple memories that I have that I'm gonna cherish. Uh, I remember when I first came here on staff, this was 16 years ago, if you can believe it. The way I can believe it is that they were showing some pictures a couple days ago, and uh, it looks like 16 years have hit me uh, since I got here. Um, not Becca, surprisingly, uh, but for me. And uh, I remember when I first got here, we were in renovations, and we were building this room out, and uh, we were doing a lot of different things in our discipleship area for our Bethel campus, and so our offices were all over the place. And so they brought me to my office, and it was literally connected to the boiler room. That was where my office was, which was fantastic in December and January, not so great in July, right? But I remember that. I, I remember, I'm gonna remember always the different people that I've got to walk along. Our staff team here, you've got an amazing staff team. All the different elders that I've gotten to walk with. I remember all the guests that I was privileged enough to spend time with in my role. I think of people like R.T. Kendall. I got to interview Johnny Erickson Tata right here on this stage. Daryl Strawberry, right? I mean, he was probably one of our greatest guests. He didn't leave this room until he prayed for every single person who wanted to be prayed for. I think of people like Graham Kendrick. Tony Campolo was here. I remember Tony came up to me. I drove him to the airport. He came up to me. All right, Brian, hey, how old are you, Brian? I said, I'm 33, Tony. He says, well, that's how old Jesus was when he died. How much have you done for the kingdom? <laughs> that was good. Not as much as Jesus. That's the answer. I remember when Alex Buchanan came, Clive Calver's spiritual mentor, and he said, you know, keep going. This is a church that's going to be a soul-winning church. And uh, we grabbed a hold of that. We stepped out in faith. We got prepared for that. 
And now, 16 years later, we've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of people give their life to Jesus. An amazing stuff. I remember when we were deciding, well, the church is growing. What should we do? Should we build a bigger building? Should we move to a different location to have more space? And the Lord really placed it on our heart to campus out. And that's why I want to greet those of you in Waterbury, in Derby, in New Milford, online. I remember going to our Waterbury campus for the first time at Chase Collegiate School and just seeing that church grow and the faith step that it took for us as a church. I remember going down to the valley. We went into the Strand Theater. We rearranged some hymns. We began to sing songs of revival, asking the Lord to move in power And I was just in Derby just this last week, and we got to baptize three people, the fruits of your faith, stepping out and seeing what the Lord might do. I remember launching into New Milford, into my elementary school at John Pettibone School, where I had a fight in that parking lot, and won, by the way, okay, just so you know. Uh, And the Lord has moved powerfully I remember the years and the years continuing where we've stepped out in faith and learned how to really walk in compassion through the Sandy Hook tragedy, and it's just amazing what the Lord has done. I think of Ignite Legacy, how Craig and I and Adam, we got together and we really prayed, Lord, what are the biggest challenges you want us to face in this next season? And the Lord gave us five challenges that he wanted us to face And we look back at those challenges now, and there's still work to be done, but God has done an extraordinary thing. Right now, we stand, and our church is debt-free. We started an online campus. We started an online campus in January of 2020, or February, and a bunch of you were saying, what do we need an online campus for? Well... You were pretty happy in March, in April, in May, okay? Then that's not because of our brilliance. It's because of the brilliance of the Lord. He always goes before us when we're willing to step out in faith. We started a residency and internship program. Some interns started this week. These are young men and women who are going to be trained up and sent out to be kingdom impactors because of the faith of this church. You have practiced this parable really well. But I still want to teach on it because I want to leave you with some lessons. There are three stories in Matthew chapter 14. The first story is where John the Baptist is put to death. And Jesus is very sad. Of course he's very sad. This is his friend. This is his relative. This is one who he really loved. And John is put to death. Right after that story, it says that Jesus went to go and find some alone time. I love it. Whenever you look at the story of Jesus, look at all the times he's just trying to get away from people. He's just, he's like desperately trying to get away from people. Just give me some space. That makes me feel good as an introvert sometimes. It's like, it's okay just to get some space. He just wanted to be alone with his heavenly father. But all of a sudden, he even, he, he really goes out of his way. He goes across the lake. But a great crowd of people follow him. The second story, this crowd of people come. Jesus teaches them. They're hungry. The disciples say, send them home. Go make them eat out of their own refrigerators. Jesus says, no, no, no. We're going to feed them. He takes five loaves of bread, two fish, and he feeds all the people there. In scripture, it says there were 5,000, not including women and children. I want to pause here for a moment because that little phrase in there has always bothered me. 
It's always bothered me. I understand why it's there. I understand why, uh, because that's how people were counted in the first century. I get it. But as I was reading it again this week, you know, this isn't one of my final words, but it is a word for us just to continue to do this. Let's never forget to count the women and children. <laughs> right? There are probably 15,000 people. And um, our, our children are, are world changers, right? Um, that are gonna impact the world. And the same spirit that lives in me lives in our children. The same spirit that lives in me lives in the women of our church. And we are the body of Christ together. And so let it never be said of Walnut Hill that there were 5,000 not including a group of people. No, we're all called together. This is one of the reasons we're, we're so thankful that we're the body of Christ. The third story that it then walks into because Jesus feeds the 5,000 15,000 probably, and then he says to his disciples, get back on that lake and go home. I need some quiet time. Get, get going. So Jesus is the one that sends them out on the lake. Interesting moment. They go out on the lake. Of course, a storm develops. It must have been an extraordinary storm because they're afraid for their life. These are fishermen, many of them, so they know storms. And in their fear, Jesus walks towards them at 3 a.m. in the morning and they can't see that it's Jesus because they're, they're caught in their fear, which fear often does. We'll talk about in a moment. And uh, Jesus says, it, it, it's me. And Peter, I love Peter. He says, if it's, if it's you, Lord, if it's really you, call me out on the water and I'll walk on the water with you. Of course, Jesus calls him out and Peter walks on water. Let me share a few, few lessons with you that I wanna leave with you. And the first is this. If you want an ordinary life, stay clear of Jesus. If you just want to live a, just a regular life, there might be happiness there, there might be some joy, but if you just want an ordinary life, I suggest you stay clear from Jesus. Because when you follow Jesus, he leads you, leads you into an extraordinary life. He leads you into the greatest adventures. As I was thinking about Peter here, I was thinking, what if he decided not to follow Jesus? Jesus comes up to Peter, hey, follow me, and he says, nah, I'm good, okay? Let's take that movie and, and play that out a little bit. What Peter would do every single day of his life as a fisherman is he'd get ready around dusk to go fish. They would fish at night because they would throw nets and it was better at night. The fish came up to the, to the top of the water at that time. And so he would get ready at dusk. He would load his boat, be there with his other fishermen and they'd push out and they would spend the night fishing. When they caught their fish, they'd bring it in, they'd bring it to the market, they'd throw out all the bad things, keep the good things, bring it to the market. Then he'd probably go back mid-morning and tend to his nets, repair his nets. Maybe he'd go home, sleep for a while, eat a little bit until it was dusk again. And then he'd get ready again. And he'd go out fishing again, over and over and over again. And I'm not saying that's a bad life, but I'm saying that's a pretty ordinary life. But what does Peter do? He says, yeah, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. So now, all of a sudden, Peter's in a whole different boat. He becomes an event planner bringing thousands of people together for a great sermon on the mounts. He experienced a miraculous catch of fish. He became a part of causing resistance with the religious leaders of the day. I bet he never saw himself in that scenario. He saw people with leprosy healed. He saw people who were blind, their sight restored. He saw a boy raised back to life. He saw Jesus transfigure before him. And he saw the risen Lord Jesus on the shore. 
All because he said yes to following Jesus. He was living an extraordinary life. If you want to move from having an ordinary life to an extraordinary life, my challenge would be trust and obey Jesus. Second lesson. If you want to know Jesus, trust him. You know, I think we often get growing in our faith backwards. And I think our world looks at it backwards as well. I think many people would say, hey, listen, I'll believe him and I'll commit to knowing him once I can trust him. Once I I know that I can trust him, well, then I'll believe him and then I'll know him. Well, that's really not faith at all. It's not faith at all. Let me suggest a different way. Let me suggest that we actually need to trust him. And when we trust him, trust his word, when we say, hey, listen, you know what? I don't fully know him yet, but I'm gonna trust what he said. I'm gonna gonna put it into practice. I'm gonna trust that forgiveness is good for me. I'm gonna forgive. I'm gonna trust that I should be generous. I'm gonna trust that I need the spirit of God, so I'm gonna ask for the spirit of God in my life. I'm gonna trust that. I'm telling you, I can guarantee you, if you live this kind of life, what's gonna happen is you're gonna say, I'm gonna trust the Lord in this, and then you're gonna go, oh my goodness, I can believe him. And then you're gonna step out again, and you're gonna say, oh my goodness, now I'm beginning to know him because I have all these built-up experiences of my trust in him. Trust him. I thought about the disciples, and I wondered, did they really know Jesus when they decided to trust him? I mean, how much did they really know him when they're like, yeah, we'll follow you? I mean, at this point, Peter didn't know that Jesus could heal lepers. He didn't know that Jesus could face the religious leaders of the day. He didn't know that Jesus would be able to walk on water. He didn't know that Jesus was gonna welcome all different kinds of people. He didn't know that Jesus could feed thousands of folks. He didn't know that Jesus could bring sight to the blind. He certainly didn't know that Jesus was gonna be able to rise from the dead. No, he had to exercise trust in order to believe and then to know. Trust him to know him. You know, if you want to get stronger in your physical body, you can't just sit on the couch and make fun of the people who are in the gym, right? No, you've got to be one of the ones who's in the gym or on the track. You have to be in motion in order to strengthen your body. And the same is true with faith. Faith matures while in motion. You feel stuck, get in motion. Trust him. Trust his word, what he's already called you to. Get out and share your faith. Tell the story of Jesus in your life. You're gonna see him move powerfully in your life. Get out and exercise the gifts that he's given you. He's given you all amazing gifts in the Lord. Faith matures in motion. Third thing I wanna share with you is this. If you wanna walk on water, get out of the boat. (laughs) If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Great things happen in the Lord when you're willing to get out of the boat. A couple of things I noticed about Peter in this, and the first is this, is that he asked Jesus first. I love that. He didn't just jump out of the water going, I want to get out of there on the water. Sometimes we step out in our human desires before we really even ask, Lord, is this you? And I love that Peter says, hey, if it's really you, if you're really in this, Jesus, call me out to you. Hey, Jesus, if you're really in this new assignment, call us out to it. Hey, Lord, if you're really in this relationship, call me out into it. 
Lord, if you're really calling me into this, Lord, then, then call me out into it. Ask first. I love that Peter asked first. And then I love that Peter stepped all the way out. You know, sometimes we call getting out of the boat something more like this. I'm out there with you, Jesus. Look at me. We're walking on water, Jesus. Look at us walking on water, right? But I love what Peter, Peter did get over the side of the boat. He had to grab a hold of it. He had to climb over. But then there came this moment where he had to let go and step into the unknown. He had never done this before. But this is not walking on water. (laughs) This is walking on water. And this is the place where Peter got to experience full dependency on Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I'm desperate for you. I love, too, that Peter was the only one who got to walk on water. He was bold. He was really bold. I can imagine this story playing out after Peter walks on the water. He comes into the boat. The storm is calmed. They get to the shore. They're, they're, they're unloading. I imagine all the other disciples coming up to Peter going, hey, Peter, Peter, what was it like to walk on water? You got to tell us what was it like? And that's a, that's a good question. And you know what? In your faith, that's a good place to start. Hey, 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 what's it like to operate in the spirit of God? Hey, 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 what's it like to, to get a revelation of Jesus through reading his word? Hey, 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 what's it like to, to go through forgiveness? What's it like? What's it like? That's a good place to start. But man, I don't want to stay there. Now, I want to be the one that says, let me tell you what it's like. Let me tell you the story. Like Peter, he, he wasn't going, hey, Jesus, what, what was it like to walk on the water? He was able to say, gather around, gather around. Let me tell you what it was like to walk on water. Let that be our bold faith. If you wanna walk on water, you gotta get out of the boat. You know, I just wanted to pause here and just honor my kids in this moment and just say that my kids right now are out of the boat. They're not grabbing on, they are fully out of the boat. And I'm proud of them. Um, And I'll say this, what I know about this is this is that when you're out of the boat, that's where the greatest adventures come. They might be really scary, really scary, but I'm excited to see what the Lord will do in each of my girls. I'm so proud of them. Two more lessons, is that okay? I mean, at this point, what are you gonna do? (laughs) You're always free to go. You've always been free to go. (laughs) Two more, four. If you wanna keep from sinking, Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, the disciples, they were afraid. This must have been a really big storm. They probably had a lot of right to be afraid. In, 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 in an earthly way, in a human standpoint, it, it looked dire. Their fear clouded their vision as Jesus walked out on the water. This happens another time in Scripture after Jesus rises from the dead and there are some travelers going to Emmaus and they can't see that it's Jesus. I think it's because they're so caught up in their, in their worry. They're so caught up maybe in their fear of what's gonna happen that they, they can't even recognize Jesus. Is this what's happening here for the disciples who knew Jesus very well? They, they can't recognize Jesus because they're so afraid. And, and this is what happens with our fear is our fear sinks us. 
so easily. Our, our fear can, can sink us. It can cause us to spiral. It can cause us to create stories in our head that never existed and never will exist. Our fear, it, it sinks us and it clouds our, our vision. But I love what's said about Jesus, that perfect love casts out fear. And so as Peter steps out of the boat, what he's doing is he's, he's choosing to step out of fear. This is scary, but if that's really Jesus and he invites me out, I'm getting out because I know that I'm better off with Jesus than I am right here in this boat. And he steps towards love. He steps towards Jesus and his fear is snuffed out. But then we know that Peter begins to sink, right? And this is where we often focus on the story that, that Peter began to sink. But let's never forget that Peter walked on water too. But Peter did begin to sink. And when? When did Peter begin to sink? When he noticed the, the wind and he noticed the waves. This is when he began to sink, when he took his eyes off of Jesus. And, and here's what I want to share with you. You probably know this really well. And it's not, the, it's not the, 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 the fluffy side of the story here. But as you step out in the Lord, as you step out in faith, as you step out boldly for him, you can expect that there are going to be waves and wind. That we live in a world right now where the evil one is still messing about. That there will be wind, there will be storms around us, but we have Jesus to keep our eyes on. We have Jesus to keep our eyes on. He's the one who we need to fix our eyes on. Keep returning to him. Keep speaking with him. Keep gathering together with believers, asking to encourage one another. Keep putting on the armor of God. If you want to keep from sinking, then fix your eyes on Jesus. Final lesson. If you need rescue, cry out to Jesus. I love when Peter began to sink, he did the right thing. He cried out to Jesus. I love how Peter humbled himself. He didn't think in his head, hey, I've walked on water before. <laughs> I can do this again all on my own. And you don't see him trying to like get up on the water. No, immediately he knows I'm in trouble. I'm sinking. There's only one who can save me. Jesus, save me. And he cries out to Jesus. And here's what I love about Jesus. It says in scripture that he immediately reached out to Peter. Hallelujah. That, that, that when you call on Jesus for rescue, he reaches out and he grabs you. You know, Jesus could have been like, you know what? <laughs> Peter, man, this keeps happening, brother. You know what? I'm just gonna wait a little bit, let him get underwater, let him take in a couple gulps so that's nice salt water. Then, it wasn't salt water, anyway, it wasn't, right? You're going to Israel this week. It's not salt water. Anyway, the Dead Sea, now that's salt water. And Craig's got a great story about that. He'll tell you sometime. Anyway, immediately. He doesn't like, oh, Peter, you know what? No way, I can't. He's bothering me. You know, immediately. And you might think right now in your need of rescue, you might say, oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I keep going back to the Lord on the same thing. He's gonna immediately reach out to you. Immediately he comes to you. He puts out his hand. You know, some of you are in need of rescue right now. Some of you are in a storm. And you need to cry out to Jesus. That storm might be an addiction. That storm might be a false identity. You're carrying around an identity that is not the identity of the Lord that he's given you. For some of you, it might be an offense. Somebody's hurt you, said something to you, done something to you, and you've been unable to shake it. It's created a storm in your life. Maybe there's bitterness in your heart <laughs> 
Maybe there's envy or jealousy that's created this storm within you. Maybe there's hopelessness, despair, or depression that you're battling this storm. Maybe your pride is your storm, where you just think, man, I'm doing pretty good at life. I don't need Jesus. (laughs) And you've actually created this subtle storm that you can't even see, keeping you from the things of the Lord. Or maybe it's self-sufficiency. Or maybe you're in the storm of life where you're mourning a loss. I want to encourage you and challenge you to cry out to Jesus. He stands ready to embrace you and rescue you. Let me tell you one last story. I was coaching one of my daughter's soccer teams. I think it was Bria's soccer team. They're about eight years old, maybe seven years old. And I remember this set of twins that were on the team. And uh, I'll I'll call them Sarah and Jenny just because I can't remember their names. And those are two names that I will remember while telling the story. So Sarah and Jenny. And I remember Sarah and Jenny, they were twins, but they were completely different from one another. Sarah loved playing soccer. She came and when practice was playing, she just ran out there. She was engaged right away. But then Jenny, she came and she clung to her mom's leg. She did not want to play. Now, the interesting thing was that she came in full soccer gear. She had the jersey on. She had the shorts on. She had the shin guards and the socks. She had the, the, uh, the cleats, or for my English friends, the boots on. I don't understand that because cleat, the boots, and the trunk of your car is a boot as well. But anyway, I'll talk to one of my friends about that later. She came up fully in all of her gear, ready to go. And it was my job to get her involved. Like, I'm gonna get this little girl involved. First practice, I couldn't do it. She clung to her mom the whole time. Went home, I came up with a plan. Came back, there's Jenny, same thing. Full kit, ready to go, clinging to her mom. Sarah, playing. And I just decided every once in a while I kind of kicked the ball close to her. Just close enough to see if she would kind of like hold on to her mom's leg, but at least just kind of come out and kick it back. Finally, she kicked it back to me. I'm like, all right, now we're on to something. I began to move the cones in the playing field closer and closer to Jenny. I think I actually got it so that it was on the other side of her, so her mom and her were actually in the game for a while, right? And then there was this pinnacle moment where all of a sudden I saw Jenny lock her eyes. Sarah, her sister, had the ball, and she was running. And Jenny was like, oh, this is my chance. She left her mom, she stepped out, she got the ball, and she took off running, and she began to play the rest of the season. Here's what I want to say, a couple things about that. Sometimes it only takes three seconds of courage to get into the game. But secondly, and maybe more importantly is this, is sometimes I think as Christians, we can be all dressed up, but not in the game. Wow, that really looks like a Christian. (laughs) Wow, that really sounds like a Christ follower. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? This is what it means, to get out of the boat, to step out in faith when he calls you, to trust and obey. And as you do that, you're gonna move into greater belief and greater knowledge of your savior, Jesus Christ. I wanna challenge you, friends, get out of the boat. Step into that new assignment. Obey the wisdom of the Lord. Walk in the spirit. Be generous. Share your faith. Trust Jesus. Give it your all. This isn't an effort thing. This is actually a freedom thing. You're gonna find the greatest freedom, the greatest adventures when you finally step out in the things that the Lord is calling you. I'm so thankful for this church. So thankful for each of you who have modeled this for over 40 years now here at Walnut Hill. Probably the last and maybe the best thing I could say to you is this. 
I truly believe that your greatest adventures are on the other side of yes. Pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.